Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. On today's World Insight, at the 6th Hongqiao International Economic Forum, we host a panel on global trading system at a crossroads. We explore whether our current system will see more integration or fragmentation. Our panel includes Arancha Gonzalez, Dean at the Paris School of International Affairs and former Spanish Foreign Minister, Roberto Azevedo, former Director General of the WTO, Yi Xiaojun, former Deputy Director General of the WTO, Tim Yi, Associate Secretary at the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, and Wu Fulin, Chair of the Export-Import Bank of China. Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, what a wonderful day that we are gathering here on the stage here in Shanghai Hongqiao Forum. So our topic today is global trading system at crossroads, more integrations or more fragmentations. One of the things we have realized is that we don't need to talk about the backdrops too much anymore because everybody understands it. But what we need to do now is to have a good laundry list of the utmost challenges that we are facing today with a shared vision of trying to address them. So why don't I begin by asking all of you, what do you consider as the biggest challenges that we are facing in global trading system? And why do you think they are the ones? So if you ask me, Tim Wei, in my view, the biggest risk we are facing today is that we tilt international trade too much towards security and that we move it away from the laws of economics, that we enhance the logic of security, which is a zero-sum mentality, away from the logic of economics, which is about win-win. So the big challenge for us is how to make sure the pendulum doesn't move too much in this direction of security, away from prosperity. How can we find a new balance between security and the economy that helps us protect ourselves and protect businesses without protectionism and preserving this force for good that has been international trade? I think we have been great beneficiaries of the certainty, predictability that the, the WTO system has provided over uh, many years, uh, as again we heard from from Arantxa. But that's not to say that that uh, while we've benefited that, we've also recognised and seen the challenges mounting for the global trading system. So, the, the global economic uncertainties, geostrategic tensions, concerns about energy security, food security, the the climate tra transition have really placed um, new and, and mounting challenges uh, on the system. Uh, I, I think that we, as, as a country and a government, therefore really see the importance of the need for the WTO to evolve and to respond to these challenges so that it doesn't um, stand the danger of, of uh, becoming irrelevant in some of these new and emerging discussions. So. I think for us, the uh, reform of the multilateral trading system is uh, an absolutely central uh, consideration as we look towards the, the ministerial meeting in the uh, 
early next year, in February, and there there's no more important issue for us than uh, doing what we can to repair and restore the dispute settlement system. There is some progress being made on that issue in discussions in in Geneva, but I wouldn't uh, underestimate the challenges that lie ahead there. But clearly having an enforceable dispute set, a set, of, set of rules under the dispute settlement system is, is absolutely critical, certainly to countries like Australia that um, rely on that system to be able to uh, protect and advance our, our economic uh, interests. But I think the other, the other key challenge for the multilateral trading system is how to evolve and adapt. It's part of the reform discussion, but how do we, how do we make sure that the WTO remains current and relevant in some of these real discussions of the moment around issues like climate, around industrial policy, sort of state intervention, those suite of issues. And also for us, very importantly, a whole set of issues around um, inclusiveness, making sure that the, uh, the trading system is, is working for everyone. So uh, things like gender and for Australia, the, the, the attention we place on issues around Indigenous and First Nations people and all of these things are helping and would be signs of moving the, the system in a, in a direction that we think would be responding to to, to the challenges that, that lie ahead. I think we are actually today facing a major shift in geopolitical tensions and global trade uh, dynamics. Everybody knows that in the past several years we saw a backtracking of globalization in the sense that countries became more protectionist, there was more onshoring efforts going on, and so on and so forth. That is a clear signal and a clear trend. But there is something new here. Climate has become a priority in today's world, uh, particularly after the Paris Conference and with a new goal to reaching uh, net zero emissions by 2050. Countries are serious about that, right? And this is, this is something that is not going to change, right? This is it. The ship has sailed. Now, the reality is that governments, we are not going to reach those targets with good intentions. And we're not going to reach those targets voluntarily. It's not going to happen spontaneously. So governments will have to take action. They are taking action. Some governments are providing incentives for the transition to a greener economy. Others are punishing uh, companies for carbon emissions and so on and so forth. And those regulations that are being put in place, they're very disruptive. They're not only disruptive, they upset the balance of competitiveness between companies on both sides of the border. The first speaker has mentioned about the zero-sum mentality. This is uh, indeed a grave challenge and a problem. In some respects, it's not simply zero-sum mentality. It's actually a negative sum and a rivalry. So no cooperation and the parties fight against each other and then get nothing or negative things from that fight. The global trading system has actually benefited the global economic growth, but now we have faced the grave situation. The biggest challenge to the global trade governance 
is as mentioned by uh, President Wu and some uh, developed countries, including uh, U.S. and uh, European countries, and uh, their uh, economic and uh, trade policies have shifted uh, from the free trading and uh, to unionism and uh, productionism. So previously, and we know that uh, the trade itself can be win-win, but today suddenly and. Uh, it seems that uh, we all forgot that, and uh, it's just uh, like a zero-sum uh, gaming or a negative-sum gaming. It reminded me of when China entry into the WTO at that time, and uh, it was the first time that uh, we heard win-win. There was uh, no such a philosophy in the traditional Chinese culture. However, and after joining the WTO, and we accept the philosophy that uh, the trade can be win-win and opening up can be win-win. Uh, but it's um, a regret that uh, when we entered the WTO, and the teacher told us we should uh, achieve win-win results, but they have forgotten it. Beyond the, beyond the headlines, this is World Insight. You served in the EU. You also served in an important economy of the European Union, Spain, as a foreign minister while at the same time at the WTO Secretariat for years. So if I could ask you, what do you see the discussions taking place in Europe about the global trading system, how that can be shaped in a way that could serve about the ultimate purpose of having more integration rather than fragmentation of the global trading system. So what do China and the EU have in common? Is that both need open markets for their growth. So I think what the two need to do is sit down and discuss, uh, follow the advice that Mr. Wu was giving us, to move from nice words to action, yeah. to remove obstacles to trade between them at a time when there is a growing trade deficit between China and the EU. Finally, I think both China and the EU have to also do something else. If we want countries to keep markets open, we need to strengthen social safety nets. We need more public policies on education, on healthcare, on pensions, on taxation, because without these, Support in our public, support from citizens for open markets will disappear. Tim, go to you. For, for Australia, the, the backbone to our economic prosperity for many years has been underpinned by trade and, and exports. So one in four jobs in Australia reliant on, on exports. Uh, and then when you look at the bilateral relationship with China, China is a, a huge economic partner, uh, notwithstanding some of the, um, the problems that have been in, in the relationship in recent years uh, in terms of the trade relationship. But this is why it's so pleasing to have had the Prime Minister visit, because we are making really good progress on the economic relationship and its fundamental importance to uh, the Australian, um, Australian economy. But, but I think also Australia and China are, are both very strong partners uh, multilaterally as, as well. 
And I think that this gets to that, that question of the role that we can all play in the system to build dialogue, to build understanding, including on some of these um, new challenges that, that we see and that people have been referring to around climate, around interventions in, in you know, state interventions, uh, subsidies. There's more work to be done in understanding the options that we have in those areas. And it but if you had an opportunity, when you say understanding, to sit down with your Chinese colleagues, what would you like to ask them? How can we work and collaborate more effectively? Effectively. Um, bilaterally and, um, uh, but very importantly, in the multilateral system as well. Since you already asked that, uh, how to be effectively and uh, also more closely working together, I also need to be fair to give uh, Arantxa an opportunity to ask your Chinese colleagues. We've, um, we've put a few suggestions on the table. Let's see uh, what, they have to, uh, what they have to say. But I'm sure that the answer will be, uh, yeah, let's move from uh, words to deeds. Let me go to uh, Mr. Yi and Mr. Wu about uh, efficiently working together and how to be, uh, you know, translating words into actions. I agree with uh, what Arantxa has uh, mentioned. Her key message is openness. No matter the Europe or China, they need to have an open market. If China wants to develop, it needs an open international environment. So openness is a common goal both sides should pursue. Second, we need to take more actions, and China is working in, the, in this direction. From the perspective of China, I remember Tim asked the question, in WTO, how the multilateral trading system continued to be open? There are some major countries and the problems lying with those major countries. But I'm glad to say that some medium-sized countries are stepping ahead to play the leadership. From the perspective of China, what China can do is to contribute to the multilateral trading system, to WTO, and also to deliver more public goods to the WTO. Second, China needs to take a lead in observing the multilateral trading rules. Third, we need to conduct more cooperation with the WTO members. A more virtuous cycle should be established. It reminds me of an uh, uh, old saying in China that you think there's no road ahead of you, uh, but uh, actually if you go there and you will find uh, a village there. And uh, we, we see the gaming uh, between the uh, rational and uh, irrational uh, forces, but I believe that uh, in the uh, international trade uh, landscape and the rational forces will win. Rational uh, forces and come from three dimensions. First, and the strong logic of a market and the force and the power of entrepreneurs. And the second dimension is the power of idea. And we desire for peace and development, and we can reach consensus. And 
as long as we have ideas, we can take actions. And uh, thirdly, the power of organizations. The most important uh, uh, trade organization, WTO, means to organize people and to create miracles. And so we should stimulate uh, the uh, vitality of uh, the international organizations represented by WTO. What are some of your biggest takeaways, particularly given the circumstances that we are in today? We don't have many scenarios before us. Okay, so I, I can see at least four scenarios. One is unilateralism. Okay, you just do what you want and let the other party respond or that the other parties respond. The problem with that is that you, know, you have the win-win negotiations, you have the win-lose when if the other side wins you, or, or the other side loses, you win or, and vice versa. But in unilateralism, it's often lose-lose. Now, the other scenario is bilaterals, right? So you bilaterally negotiate with the other side. It's more common to have a win-lose situation in that one, sometimes win-win. But then those outside that negotiation lose often. The third scenario is more like regional or some fora that has um, more homogeneous countries as a part of it, like uh, even the OECD. The problem with that approach is that sometimes you, you, you leave out big players who need to be part of those conversations. And then you have the fourth scenario, which is you go to a multilateral trading system. Well, the problem with that system now is credibility. It has, it, it has a really hard time delivering multilateral um, uh, agreed solutions. And I think we are in a process now in the multilateral system of, of, of confidence building. We need to show that we can do things, uh, even if they are not perfectly multilateral. And in order to do those things, you need to take s small steps, even if it's not the most tricky issues, but at least some important issues begin to find solutions where we show the disposition to negotiate, we show the disposition to be flexible. And I, I am a believer in the system, and I think that if we begin to take those more pragmatic and um, maybe not so ambitious uh, steps, but very significant and meaningful steps, I think that bit by bit we begin to learn that we can do business, that mm. we can talk to each other in a way that is uh, successful uh, if, we, if we take the right approach. The climate question has been a very interesting one for discussion. Uh, we are also going to see COP28, while at the same time the climate and environmental issue is going to be part of discussion for all kinds of issues that globally we are tackling together. How do you see can be some of the consensus that uh, would bring us more confidence while talking about this component. Looking at though the very far away, uh, the very vision of a global uh, trading system, more integration. Fifth, I can I can actually give you a, a very specific example of, of um, something that we think can help, and it's really consistent with what I've been hearing here. I was at a senior officials meeting in Geneva uh, just a couple of weeks ago and a key focus of that discussion was preparations for uh, MC13 and 
a wish by uh, certainly Australia, but a number of other delegations, that we use the time when the ministers are together in Abu Dhabi valuably to allow them to have a really um, good discussion around some of these challenging issues. And, and the example um, that we used was uh, climate. And, uh, you know, what we see is, in, in a real practical sense, can we get the ministers together in, in, in Abu Dhabi with the time to focus on, on the issue of climate and to, to ask them some very specific questions, which right. are things like um, how, how do we ensure global trade and climate regimes are, are mutually supportive? We should think broadly about this question and, and including on issues relating to comparability of, of action domestically and in relation to promotion of trade in, in green technologies. Another question we put on the table was how do we deal with the important policy challenge of, of carbon leakage? Uh, in a manner that ensures it's compatible with running, rather than running contrary to, to WTO law. That's a, a much contested space. And, and the other one was um, how do we ensure the global trading system is, is promoting incentives, and particularly in the area of subsidies and other interventions that, that promote greenhouse gas reduction efforts, rather than run contrary to those efforts. So, you know, in our view, we've made a good start there with the fisheries agreement but there's still a long way to run in, in other areas, certainly in areas like agriculture and, and land use. But they were just some very practical, let's get the ministers uh, at a political level talking about these issues, because that then starts to flow down to, to all of us uh, at, at officials level and um, it, you know, gets a good policy discussion going in, in yeah. such a, a vital and important area. Yeah. Mr Yi? The uh, multilateral uh, trade system should pay great uh, attention uh, to such uh, issues. And if we rely on bilateral or unilateral negotiation and to have uh, to resolve such issues, and the result will not be nice. And but I'm quite concerned that although different countries are discussing about how to. Uh, reduce the carbon emission uh, or, or uh, to uh, achieve uh, the carbon peaking by 2030 or carbon neutrality by 2050. Uh, however, the countries are just doing their own and adopting different policies. And for example, under the Trade Act adopted by the US and the carbon border regulation mechanism by EU and with a very good purpose and to reduce the carbon e emission. However, and it is uh, harmful to the uh, WTO rules and to the uh, multilateral uh, trade system and uh, uh, the uh, Director General of WTO and is really concerned about such uh, unilateral uh, measures and uh, will be uh, responded differently by different countries and leading to uh, the uh, trade frictions and uh, uh, economic governance of fragmentation. So I think the best uh, way that the WTO should provide a platform and engaging uh, the key players uh, in the international trade and to put their policies on the table and to discuss and communicate with, with each other 
and to see what kind of uh, uh, resolution system or mechanism and can minimize uh, the trade frictions and uh, fragmentations. And uh, I believe under the uh, climate change and uh, the uh, multilateral trade uh, uh, rules and are not uh, contradictory dictionary to each other, and they are complementary to each other. So I strongly recommend that the WTO should gather all the major countries in Geneva to have such a discussion. So I would like to take this chance to propose that and we should discuss about four ratios. Uh, the green interest, green exchange rate, green uh, tax rate, and the green charge rate, then the, the players can be motivated. So I think such four greens and can be uh, translated into the joint actions. So ladies and gentlemen, let's put our hands together, a warm round of applause to honor our panelists on the stage. Thank you so much for your sincerity and your insight. Really appreciate it.